0: Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Happy Wednesday and welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk radio show. Here's a quick announcement. Our September heart-centered and passion-driven Inspirations for a Better Living digital magazine designed to help moms build a better future for themselves, their families, and loved ones is now live at inspirationsforbetterliving.com. By the way, our October edition will be live at the end of this week. September's theme is Fall, a Season of Reflection and Reset. And October's theme is Autumn, the Enchanting Season of Mindfulness. The magazine offers inspirational stories from our dedicated team of experts to help you navigate your current situation with confidence in your motherhood journey as the COO, if not the CEO, of your family. So please go to InspirationsForBetterLiving.com and treat yourself to some engaging, entertaining, and enlightening stories. You deserve it. As for our kitchen table conversations today, my guest is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Amy and I will be talking about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Angels and the Miraculous, 101 Inspirational Stories of Faith, Miracles, and Answered Prayers. Good morning, Amy. Happy Wednesday, and welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing today?
1: I'm fine. It's so fun to be back, and, and I'm so excited about talking about this this really great collection of, uh, of great storytelling.
0: Oh, yes, definitely. It's wonderful to have you on with me, Chicken Soup for the Soul Angels and the Miraculous 101 Inspirational Stories of Faith. Miracle and Answered Prayers is an inspiring and empowering read. It gives me great joy knowing that miracles are happening every day for someone. So congratulations on this release, which was last Tuesday. I wish you all tons of success.
1: Well, thanks. These books that we do on angels and miracles and amazing coincidences and all of those kinds of stories, these books always do really, really well for us. I think these stories about angels and the miraculous are so popular because they give people hope. You know, they Mm. give people hope that good things do happen to good people. And that's a great gift is to give somebody hope. I, I think that probably this book will be a big Christmas gift because you're handing somebody a portable collection of hope. Right where they can read 101 stories about miraculous things happening and think, wow, that could happen to me too.
0: Yes, I totally agree with that. It is amazing. One of the things that I really enjoyed reading the book, like I say again, is very, very engaging. Uh, do you ever get any feedback from readers about specific stories that impacted their lives?
1: Oh, constantly. We're always hearing wow. from readers about how, a specific story was just so perfectly timed for them to read it. Like
2: mm-hmm. we got
1: this one um, email one time from this young military wife. It was an incredible story. She, um, she had deployed mm-hmm. to Afghanistan, and she um, had grown up reading Chicken Soup for the Preteen Soul and Chicken Soup for the Teenage Soul, and she knew about our books. And then one day somebody told her there was Chicken Soup for the Military Wife Soul. And this oh. um, newly married, newly pregnant young woman ran and got the book, Chicken Soup for the Military Wife Soul, and then she read it. And that night she read a story and um, and then she went to bed thinking about the story she had read, which was about a woman who got the call that her husband was injured and had um, had an amputation Mm -hmm. and talked about, you know, what was going to happen with her life and stuff like that. And this young woman read that story and thought, Hmm, if that ever happens to me, I know I'll be okay. And she kind of thought the whole thing through and thought about how she and her husband would be okay and her baby would be okay. And she, had this image of her and her baby and her husband like standing on the beach together. And, um, and then she went to sleep and she was woken the next morning by a phone call. And it was her husband calling from Germany where he had been airlifted to and he had lost his, the bottom part of one of his legs. You know, to one of those unexploded ordnance things.
2: Right. And
1: she was ready. Mm -hmm. She was totally ready for that call. And she sent me a picture of her and her husband and their little girl standing on the beach together. Him with his, you know, prosthesis for one of his lower legs. So, yeah, we get incredible stories from people about how a chicken soup for the soul story came to them at the perfect time in their lives.
0: Right, right. Well, that's fascinating. I think in this classic example right here, when you look at it, there's standard procedure, right? Standard operating procedure. Okay, this happened, this, this, this. But to hear someone going through it and people can relate to stories. And that's the beauty of Chicken Soup for the Soul. What I love about it is that you can read so many stories in there. Obviously, each book has 101 stories. And you may not respectfully relate to story number one, but story number 56 hit you right on the nose.
1: (laughs) I think that's true. And I think that um, when we pick the stories for the books, Mm -hmm. um, we know that that we're definitely picking stories that will resonate with people so that when they read 101 stories, you know, there'll probably be thirty that really resonate with them,
2: mm-hmm. and the rest
1: mm-hmm. will be good, entertaining storytelling.
2: Oh yeah, but, of course.
1: You know, how great is it to read a story that has such a powerful impact? And that's what we hear from people that they love the collections, and then they'll be like, "And there was this one story, <laughs> and it was so perfect for me, <laughs> and I shared it with my sister, and you know, and I felt like I felt like I knew that person, and it, uh, I had the same oh, experience." Wow. So yeah. it gives us great joy to pick these stories and know that we're just going to nail it for people. We really right.
0: are. Right, right. Well, come to think of it, you're basting in it because you're reading all these stories. So you're the joyful one.
1: <laughs> that's true. I true. We get we are we are wonderful beneficiaries. My team and I, because uh-huh. we get to read all these stories, and um, and that's great for us. And when we put out ten new books a year, that a 1,000 stories that we get to enjoy every year. Mm-hmm.
0: That's fascinating. And for you yourself, uh, you read at least about
1: 300 to 300 stories or so? And
0: to, to kind of narrow for it down?
1: Book, yeah, mm-hmm. I'll probably read like 300 to 500, sometimes even more. Oh, my more. God. For this book, I read <laughs> more than 500 submissions. Because I, I think I remember reading like a 1,000 single-spaced, Eight and a half oh, by 11 my 11 pages God. of stories. Yeah, so <laughs> I read a lot of great stories. And in fact, there were so many great ones that some of them I actually saved for our next book. That's going to be mm-hmm. about angels and miracles and messages mm-hmm. from heaven. So mm-hmm. I already have a lot of stories picked out for the next book.
2: Oh,
0: my gosh. That's fascinating. Really, really wonderful. Well, tell us about the beautiful book front and back cover, and the significance of the picture selected for the chapter's dividers. I love the book. It's beautiful. It's very engaging. It feels good in your hands.
1: So the front cover, we often use blue and yellow on our Mm -hmm. miracles kind of books because, I don't know, it just seems to work really well. Mm -hmm. And on the front cover, we show this man walking away seemingly into the clouds, and the idea is that He's just appeared, done a good deed for somebody, pulled them out of a car before it burst into flames or whatever he did. And now he's just walking into the clouds, you know, before they even Mm -hmm. have a chance to thank him. Um, And on the back cover, we have a white dove. And we also have that dove inside the book at the beginning Mm -hmm. of each chapter. So doves are really universal symbols of peace and freedom and love in, like, most, culturals, most cultures across the world. You know, mm-hmm. doves really have meaning. Um, they appear as symbols in all three of the Abrahamic religions, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. They're important in paganism. That's probably where they started out important, and then they became important symbols in the Abrahamic religions also as those you know, grew out of the pagan religions. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But doves, I think, mean a lot to people. And you just get a feeling of serenity and peace and joy, I think, from looking at a white dove. So that's why we use white doves.
0: I was going to say that, yeah, because it's sort of very calming. It has that effect. When you look at yeah, it.
1: even though you know a dove is just a pigeon,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's a pigeon mm-hmm. that's all white. <laughs> <And> nobody <laughs> thinks that pigeons are anything special, you know. It's just a pigeon, but it's a white pigeon.
0: <laughs> but there's something to it, you know. It, it, it's just when I, I I'm fortunate that I have some wildlife around me, and when I look at the squirrel, and sometimes occasion you can catch them. Uh, it was like people, right? You're looking in the eyes.
2: <laughs> true
0: and so it's like everything else we connect through the eyes and there's a certain calmness and that sort of serenity you mentioned
1: yeah and doves make that beautiful sound when they fly away too Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. what are the topics covered in the book
1: so we have 10 really great chapters the first one is called divine coincidences and it's just about all these amazing coincidences that you just can't believe happened, but they did. <laughs> and then, uh, chapter two is called touched by an angel. And that's when somebody has an experience with somebody who, you know, is a human being or looks like a human being, but there's something so magical about the encounter mm-hmm. that when it's over, the person is like, what? did that really happen? Was that an mm-hmm. angel? And chapter three is about divine intervention when, you know, that good thing just miraculously happens just when you need it to. Chapter four is angels in disguise. So again, some human being comes into your life and does something miraculous for you. Mm -hmm. Chapter five is messages from heaven because people have these incredible experiences and they've lost their loved ones, and then have some kind of experience that really makes it seem like there's an ongoing connection. Chapter six is called Miracles Happen. It's just all kinds of interesting miracles that happen to people. Chapter seven is called Guardian Angels, and that's when, you know, you somehow got saved in a miraculous fashion. Chapter eight is Divine Messengers, where... Somebody just comes along with this message just out of left field. And, you know, you just, you're like, how did that person even know my (laughs) name? How did that person even know to say that to me? Chapter nine is called comfort from beyond. And that's again, stories about miraculous connections with loved ones who have passed on. Mm -hmm. And chapter 10 is called, how did that happen? And it's about just weird, miraculous, coincidences, things that happened that were just perfect, that you just can't figure out how did that happen. And so (laughs) the the stories in this book will really wow you, as you know, because you've read them. But that's our idea is to put together 101 stories that are all wow stories.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Well, there certainly are wow stories. And what's the beauty of it is that as the average person I'm out there, sometimes we take things for granted and the stories as we go through and we're going to be discussing some of it. It's like, if we pay attention, hmm, like you say, how did that happen?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's true. And that's how, you know, people are like, well, how do I prepare myself to experience a miracle? And you just Mm -hmm. have to be open Mm -hmm. to the idea that it could happen because honestly, if you're not open to it, you could miss it. It could pass you by. You could right. ignore that stranger who said the perfect words to you. You mm-hmm. know, you could miss that opportunity to receive that help that you actually needed or to find that lost item that you never thought you would see again. So right you definitely need to keep your eyes open and your heart open to the possibility of a miracle occurring for you.
0: Oh, yes, definitely. That sounds perfect for me. So we are definitely able to prepare ourselves for that, to experience the miracles that are happening in many ways all the time. And so we got to kind of have our radar up there (laughs) to catch those beautiful things happening. What would you like for the readers to gain from reading Angels and the Miracles, the Miraculous?
1: I would like them to be very entertained. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's my primary goal, is to give you a great read. I want you to be able to sit down and read a few stories a day or read it cover to cover until three in the morning, whatever works for you. Some people make our books last for a couple of months, you Mm -hmm. know, reading a little bit each day. Some people just dive in and devour the whole book at once. But (laughs) I would like our readers to be very entertained and have their eyes opened to the fact that they can have hope that miracles can happen for them or the people they care about also.
0: Right. That, again, it's the beauty of Chicken Soup for the Soul book. It's not like, oh, my God, I got 365 pages to read. No, you have a whole lot less pages to read because... You have a story and an ending and a story and an ending. So, like you say, pick the time and pick the stories to comfort you. That's true. Yeah. So, anyway, let's get going here with Chapter 1. I love this chapter, Divine Coincidences. And the story that I really like in this particular chapter is The Little Library by Dave Bachman.
1: So Dave Bachman had one of those little free libraries pop up in his neighborhood. You know those little mm. those little houses that are on a pole, and people put a book in and then take a book out. Um, and so his eight-year-old daughter Ayla was fascinated by it and the fact that she could donate a you know a children's book and then take a children's book out. So Dave was really surprised when she picked her favorite book to give away. But she did, and she explained that she was giving her favorite book away, and she figured that whatever children's book she took out was someone else's favorite book, so it was going to be really good. So they got home. She started reading her new book, and then she told Dave that she had a new friend named Clara because somebody named Clara had written something in the front of the book that she had picked out. And Dave commented that Clara was his grandmother's name. Um, Ayla had never known her great-grandmother because she had passed away before Ayla was born. So then Ayla handed Dave the book, and he opened it up, and he read this inscription in the front written in very flowery script. And it said, Dear Little Girl, this was my book when I was a little girl. Now it's yours. Even though we'll never meet, we will know each other through these stories. Think of me when you read them. Your friend, Clara, Newton, Kansas. Well, Dave's grandmother, Clara, had lived in Newton, Kansas. And he knew that she had donated many of her possessions to a rummage sale that her church in Newton was sponsoring before she moved to another city in Kansas.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now Dave lived more than a thousand miles away from Kansas. So could his grandmother's childhood book, which she had donated in Kansas, could that book really have ended up a thousand miles away in the little free library that was near Dave's house? So Dave's wife said, why don't we look at the handwriting? and see if the handwriting matches your grandmother's handwriting. And they had handwritten recipes written by Dave's grandmother, Clara, in his mom's recipe book. And sure enough, the handwriting was a perfect match. So they were absolutely sure that this Clara from Newton, Kansas, was Dave's grandmother. And somehow his grandmother had reached across the years and a thousand miles to connect with her great granddaughter through this book. And I thought what an incredible coincidence that was. That was really amazing.
0: Oh, it's amazing. I I mean, let's put it this way. Okay. You could be right down the road (laughs) and it never happens. And you're talking about the distance and it's just phenomenal. That's just amazing. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. And, one cannot help but to embrace that divine coincidences, you know, so it's it's just beautiful. Do you have a story in this chapter that you like?
1: Well, there's another really cool coincidence.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and we hear about it from Charlie Morrow, who um, learned when she was four years old that she was adopted. And um, she never really felt a need to learn anything about her birth parents until she was in her early 20s and she began developing a number of very serious allergies to foods. And these were foods that she had always loved and had been fine with. So her doctors told her to try and find out if these allergies existed in her birth family. So this was in the early 2000s when there wasn't as much going on on the internet, but there were some internet forums you know, for adopted children and parents, you know, who had given them up, who were looking for them. Mm -hmm. Um, Charlie's adoption had been a closed one, so she didn't have that much information about her birth mother, but she did know that her birth mother had been 17 when she had her and that she was born in the same city where Charlie still lived. So Charlie found a forum called adoption.com, and she could see on there that there were posts from adoptees and birth parents searching for one another. She was going to post one day and then she panicked and she didn't do it because she thought, why would my birth mother even want to hear from me? Then the next morning she was somehow drawn to go back to that particular forum. And there was nothing there that matched up with her situation. She'd been agonized about it all day. She decided to write her own post and she listed some of the information she had about her birth and her birth mother, but not all of it. And then she had sent, she sent the post, and then she panicked again, and she didn't go back and look at it until the next day. And the next morning she looked, and there was a response. And it said, I think I might be your biological mother. And that response included details about the birth and the hospital that matched the information Charlie had, but she had not included them in her query. So she knew this was definitely her birth mother. And so they emailed each other, they got together. Well, it turned out that her birth mother had gone on the forum for the very first time the same day that Charlie went on the forum for the very first time, which was an unbelievable coincidence. Considering that Charlie was already in her 20s, it wasn't like she had just hit 18 or something and it was some like milestone moment when she and her birth mother would both go on. They had both randomly chosen the same day to go on and had instantly found each other.
0: It's a beautiful story, that's amazing. Again, it's like what happened, same day. I mean, that's what, one in the gazillion? (laughs) My God, that's amazing. Really, really amazing. I love that story. Chapter 2, Touched by an Angel. That's the title of the chapter. And the story that I really like is Butterfly Love by Park so Adrian Parkhurst.
1: So Adrienne says that she rarely remembers her dreams, but she had one that was so vivid that it seemed more like a memory than a dream. And in this dream, she and her husband were attending an event at a house she had never been to, but it seemed like they were at a funeral because everybody was very somber. And then she was motioned to enter a bedroom by this older woman who said, he's been waiting for you. And in her dream, she went inside this bedroom And there was her old boyfriend, Rob, who she had dated 20 years earlier. And he looked exactly the same as he had 20 years ago. And sitting next to him was a woman who was obviously his wife who looked very upset. And Adrian said to Rob, I I don't get it. I'm not supposed to be here. You didn't love me like that. I was just one of many because she realized there was something about Rob, like maybe this was his funeral or something. And, In the dream, he didn't answer her out loud, but in her head, he said to her, you belong here, you always did. And then he reached his hand out to her, but then she tripped backward and she woke up. She woke up, and she went and checked Facebook. Because she knew that Rob had cancer because he had announced his diagnosis on Facebook a year earlier. So now she went to Facebook to check, but it didn't say anything. So she assumed everything was fine. And then later that morning, the song that had been her song and Rob's song played on the radio, and this eerie feeling came over her to check his Facebook page again. So she pulled into a parking lot, clicked on his profile, and that's when she saw that he had died early that morning when she was having that dream. And so she feels like he came to her in the dream, say goodbye. And, you know, that was one of those stories that we just thought was such a wow story because how do you explain that?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. I totally agree. I think it's fascinating when you read something like that. I've been fortunate that uh, when my mom transitioned, I was there and it's a unique feeling and experience. And I can only tell you, everybody else cried I did not, and i don 't know why, <laughs> and it took me two days later that uh, the whole process just hit me, and it was totally different. It was just unique experience and if people don 't believe in spirits, I do <laughs> uh, respectfully there 's nothing wrong with people not and uh, and that's, and for those who does wonderful as well, because it 's a unique experience chapter three it 's a truly wonderful. Chapter, Divine Intervention. And I love this story. As you know, Mama's Kitchen, right?
2: Right, <laughs> <Recipes> exactly. For... <laughs>
0: and this is a wonderful story. Recipes from Above by Julie DeBell.
1: Yeah, so this was a really cool story about Julie having this really strange bond with her father right after he died. Now, Julie's dad was a gourmet cook. He was always in the kitchen making something fabulous and he made dinner for the family every night when she was growing up. And Julie did not inherit her dad's talent. I mean, she was not a cook at all. (laughs) She could make like macaroni and cheese, like that was kind of her thing. And so she had never bothered to learn any of her father's recipes. She hadn't watched him cook. She just hadn't made cooking part of her life. So Basically, she figured all that great food disappeared forever when he passed away, except for the week after they buried him. The weirdest thing happened to her. They buried her father, and then all of a sudden, she got up one morning with this craving for his chicken stew, which she had never made before. She didn't know what the recipe was. She had no idea what ingredients But she went to the store and she bought some chicken and some little potatoes and celery and tarragon and parsley. And she chopped up the chicken, which she was a vegetarian, so she never even (laughs) cooked chicken or beef or anything like that. Um, But she chopped up the chicken and she somehow knew to melt butter in a pan and add flour and spices and a little white wine. And she stirred up this wonderful white sauce to cook the chicken and potatoes in. And she made this fabulous dish. She said it was the most savory dish she had ever made. And she said it was like she was possessed by a spirit, like she was (laughs) sleepwalking. It was like her father had taken over her body and told her what to do. Mm -hmm. And then what happened was the day after that, she made her father's famous mashed potatoes. Again, having no idea how he did them. And the day after that, she made lasagna. And then the day after that, she had this craving for smoked meat, something she normally would never, ever eat. But she went and got smoked meat, and that's what her family had that night. She said her son thought he had died and gone to food heaven because they always ate vegetarian at home. And then after a week, it was over. It was one week of glorious cooking, and then... Mm -hmm. All that skill and knowledge disappeared again and she was back to making macaroni, you know, craft macaroni <laughs> and cheese from a box.
0: It's a wonderful story. It reminded me of my sister and my mom. My sister grew up in the generation where, well, I mean, for her anyway, we women don't cook because she works, right? <laughs> so my mom did all the cooking. And over the years, it's interesting that like, she barely goes into the kitchen to do anything. However, since my mom had transitioned, passed away, and somehow my sister is picking up all the recipes that she has tasted over the years, and it's pretty good in what I understand, you know, whipping up uh, some wonderful dishes for my nephews and my (laughs) brother-in-law.
1: That's so weird So she had the same experience.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it's amazing. It it, it really is. Uh, It's just wonderful to hear stories like that. Do you have a story that you like in this chapter?
1: Well, I liked a story by um, Mary Grant Dempsey, which Mm -hmm. is a story that really reminds us that we should listen to our gut feelings. So in this story, Mary was going out on New Year's Eve with her husband to a party that was being hosted by her husband's boss. So this was a really important party for them to go to. So um, they had their six-year-old niece staying with them while Mary's sister recovered from back surgery. So they had to find a babysitter. So they found one, they'd never used her before because they normally didn't need a babysitter. Um, But this was an older woman who had been recommended by some neighbors. So they had this woman come And they went off to the party, and then Mary got this overwhelming feeling of dread early in the evening, and she told her husband, we have to go home. And her husband said, could we just stick it out until midnight at least? But she said they couldn't. They had to go. She was just overwhelmed with panic. And it was embarrassing her husband in front of his boss, but there was nothing that they could do. She wouldn't give in. They had to go. So they rushed home and they pulled into their driveway and entered their home. And they found that babysitter who had been highly recommended passed out on the couch. And there was a bottle of scotch on the coffee table and an empty glass on the carpet next to a burning cigarette. And who knows what would have happened if they hadn't gotten home and caught that burning cigarette that was in their rug. I mean, maybe there would have been a house fire. Who knows how bad things could have been. And so, you know, Mary learned to always listen to her gut feeling. And, you know, to, she felt very validated that she had done that.
0: Wow, that's amazing. And it's one of those things where sometimes it's something that you feel and you feel nervous and then you're trying to fight it. And in this case, she did so which is really excellent. Really, really wonderful. Really we wonderful. We get
1: a lot of stories that we publish in our Chicken Soup for the Soul books about people listening to their gut feelings mm-hmm. and how right mm-hmm. it was to do that.
2: Right, it, right.
1: And you should never be embarrassed to do it. You just have to go with it.
0: Right, right. So true. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Teachers Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mix Club, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and Hop Hopper. I'm Johnny Tan, your host. Here's a quick reminder to treat yourself to our September and October heart centered and Passion-Driven Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine at inspirationsforbetterliving.com. My guests for today is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editing chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. This morning's kitchen table conversation is about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Angels and the Miraculous, 101 Inspirational Stories of Faith, Miracles, and Answered Prayers. Amy, chapter four is really wonderful, Angels in Disguise. I love this. And the story that I like is Ice on the Fairway by Michelle
1: Close-Mills. So, um, Michelle was a Florida resident, but she was temporarily living in Indiana to help her mother through some health issues. And one Saturday morning in early February, Michelle arrived at the grocery store ready to tackle a long list. But as she walked through the parking lot, she stepped on some ice and she landed face down on the pavement. And she couldn't Move. She tried to like scoot herself onto the sidewalk and get out of the roadway, but she couldn't grab onto anything. She was clawing at the pavement, but it was all ice. And so she wasn't getting any traction. And so she was just stranded on this island of ice that she hadn't realized was ice because it had been hidden by a dusting of snow. And she called out for help, but nobody came. Nobody heard her. Apparently nobody could see her there. She was like around the corner in the parking lot, and then this large pickup truck with monster wheels came around the corner, heading right for her, she still couldn't get up, and so she looked at this truck, and she knew she was going to be run over, so she prayed, please, God, help me, and then this pair of golf shoes appeared, golf shoes in the snow in Indiana in February. And she looked up and she saw this elderly guy with a deep tan and thick white hair. And he was wearing golf clothes, a short sleeved polo shirt and shorts. He really looked like he should be in Florida on a golf course, not standing in a frozen parking lot in Indiana. Mm-hmm. And he reached down and he pulled her onto the sidewalk In the nick of time just before the truck passed by and she lay there on the sidewalk crying and then she looked up to thank the man but he was gone and she looked at her fingers and her nails and they were scratched and bleeding her fingers were bleeding from when she had been scrabbling you know trying to grasp the ice to move herself off the ice and onto the sidewalk so a store employee came out and helped her she went inside the store And she looked at the security footage with the store manager because she wanted to see this gentleman who had helped her, but there were two minutes missing from the tape, starting right after she fell in the parking lot and then resuming when she was being helped up by the store employee from the sidewalk. But the two minutes when she was lying there and scratching away and making her fingers bleed and then she was helped up by the golfer, those two minutes were missing. So her only conclusion was that an angel dressed in golf clothing had somehow been sent to answer her prayer for help.
0: It's fascinating. I, I think sometimes, again, it's it's hard to believe, right? And yet it happened. And so it's just fascinating. I'm The older I get, to be honest with you, Amy, it's like, the more I'm into it in terms of understanding and have experienced a few things in my life, I love this story because you never know. You really never know.
2: Yes, Chapter it's f- true.
0: Mm-hmm. So true, so true. Chapter 5, Message from Heaven. And this is a lovely story, Diamonds from Heaven. I love it, by Duran Webber.
1: So- Dorian had this recurring dream for over 30 years. And this dream always made her sad. In this dream, her mother came to her. Her mother was dead. Her mother came to her and she was holding out something that glowed in her hand. And she always looked heartbroken. And Dorian would tell her not to cry and would hug her, but she would feel this great sadness from her mother and then dorian would wake up and it was a really disturbing dream and so sad that dorian had to be confronted by this sadness from her mother over and over again and then on the eve of what would have been her mother's 100th birthday dorian had the dream again but this time she didn't wake up as early in the dream she stayed in the dream longer And this time her mother spoke to her in the dream and her mother was kind of soft and muffled, but it sounded like she was saying yawn or earn. And then Dorian Dorian woke up and she was even more troubled. Like, what was her mother saying to her? Well, that morning Dorian's husband, Harold, was going to visit his mother. So he suggested that Dorian go along with him just to, you know, distract her from that disturbing dream. And her mother-in-law was thrilled to see her. And she listened to Dorian's sad tale about the dream. And then she was trying to cheer her up. So she took her into her bedroom where she kept all these sweaters that she had knitted and crocheted. And she told Dorian to pick out whatever she wanted. And then she told Dorian, hey, pull out that black oversized bag from the far back corner of the closet. This was a bag that had belonged to Dorian's mother. And it was filled with yarn and knitting needles and crochet hooks. Dorian had given it to her mother-in-law 30 years ago when her mother died because she thought her mother-in-law, who did knitting and crocheting, et cetera, would be able to use some of the supplies. But now her mother-in-law said to her, you should keep this bag. So Dorian reached into the bag, which still had some of her mother's yarn and needles. Her mother-in-law hadn't used everything. She put her hand in there and she felt something hard between the yarns. She pulled out a ball of yarn and then something bright caught her eye and she froze when she realized what it was because she was holding this glowing object in her hand because the sun was coming in through the window and hitting this object. Embedded in the yarn was a beautiful white gold ring that included eight tiny diamonds and that one was that's what was glowing through the yarn. It was just like her dream where her mother was holding something glowing in her hand and then it dawned on Dorian that her mother wasn't saying yawn or earn in her dream she was saying yarn. She wanted Dorian to find her ring. That ring must have slid off her finger while she was sifting through a bag of yarn one day. So that night, Dorian had to dream again. But this time in the dream, her mother was smiling because the ring was <laughs> where it belonged.
0: Yeah, that's a beautiful story. Again, it just gives me goosebumps when I read stories like that because it's amazing experience that is totally unique. I mean, one has to go through it uh, oneself to really experience those kind of things. So it's really, really, really fascinating. Chapter six, Miracles Happen. I love this chapter. And the story that I really like on this is Heaven's Hummingbirds by Valerie Archul. Yes,
1: yeah, so Valerie Archul, um she tells us that her mother had just passed away and the funeral director handed her this, small field envelope, and in it was Valerie's mother's necklace that she never took off. It was a thin gold chain with a hummingbird pendant. Valerie's mother had loved birds, especially hummingbirds, mm-hmm. and she always hung nectar feeders throughout her garden, and she attracted all of these hummingbirds, and they were there, you know, from the spring well into September. And her mother had tried... To get hummingbirds to come to Valerie's yard, she had put all kinds of feeders, and she had planted the right flowers, and she had given Valerie the right nectar for the feeders, but the hummingbirds never visited Valerie's yard, even though her mother tried for the past seven years to get hummingbirds for Valerie. So, On the morning of her mom's memorial service, Valerie put that gold chain on with the little hummingbird pendant. And then after the service, she needed just a little downtime before she went off to the family meal that they had going. And so she made up an excuse and she went home because she just needed to cry. When she got home, she started to bring in some things from the car. And then she heard this buzzing sound and she thought it was a bee. So she rushed away from the sound And she dropped her purse in her hurry to get away from the bee. And then she went back to pick up her purse. And she heard the buzzing again. And then she realized it wasn't a bee. It was the most stunning emerald green hummingbird she had ever seen. It was just inches from her face. And then it circled around her. And then she saw a second hummingbird. This was after her mother had tried for seven years to get a hummingbird to come to her yard. And now on the day of her mother's funeral, the hummingbirds arrived. And now her mom has been gone for 15 years. And those hummingbirds have been visiting her every single year.
0: That's beautiful. Totally beautiful story. When I read that, it just reminded me of the time when my mom passed and you know, you—it's—it's it's amazing. I and I mentioned earlier about the fact that I finally broke down. This was on the seventh day of the uh, sort of uh, the prayers and so forth. And I was sitting in her room. I was sitting on the small chair that she had bought for me and my sister when we were growing up. And I was just finally just sort of uh, tears rolling down my eyes when I looked up at uh, the armoire, um, She had, uh, apparently, my sister had left one of my mom's clothing on the armoire. It started moving. And I was like, okay, great. You know, like, I'm seeing things here now. (laughs) And I asked my sister to come in and say, look, you need to look at this right here and tell me if I'm kidding, you know, and I'm imagining things. And I said, I kind of mentioned silently that, you know, mom, if you want me to, take this blouse with me back to the United States, move it, and hold and behold, it starts wavering, and of course, my sister was saying, well, okay, great, you take uh, the blouse, and I'll keep her sarong, which is on the bed, and I said, well, what do you mean by that? She said, well, that's actually the pieces of clothes that mom transitioned in. I said, you're kidding me. I said, no, uh, that's what we did. We did. To change it out and I washed it and I just kept it in the room right here and she was like sort of nonchalant about the whole thing so it's amazing so I I love the the, the story of how things happened that way. Do you have a favorite story in this chapter? There's
1: a really cool one from Suzanne Saltzman Mm -hmm. it happened to Suzanne when she was 17 and what happened was this man Allowed her into the elevator at her housing project in the Bronx, I told her he had a knife, I said he was going to take her to the roof to search her for money, I forced her off the elevator on the 12th floor. But Suzanne realized she had a friend who lived there. His door was right before the emergency exit that they would take to go up to the roof. And so Suzanne said to herself, Maddie, I need you now. And Maddie opened his apartment door, that instant and the attacker fled down the stairs. He went through the emergency exit as well. And Suzanne spent the next few days at the police station over photos to identify this man. And the police believed he was the same man who had raped young women at another housing project in the Bronx. So it was a really good example of asking for help some kind of faith that the help help might materialize and then actually getting that help. I mean, it was incredible, so random that her friend opened his door exact moment. I mean, if they'd opened his door 30 seconds later, she would already have gone at the emergency exit there.
0: It's amazing. That's truly amazing. Chapter 7, Guardian Angels. An Angel in the Classroom, by Tamara Ann Bowles.
1: So this story was another one of these wow stories where you're just like, how could this possibly happen? So Tamara um, was a teacher, and she was lecturing one day in the classroom, um, and one of her students stretched out his leg from his desk, not realizing that she was walking backward while she was talking, And so she tripped and fell backwards, and nothing was going to stop her from landing on the rock-hard floor. But in mid-fall, Tamara felt two hands suddenly connect with her back, and they pushed her up and forward until she regained her balance. She thought the student had caught her, but he was still sitting there. He was as stunned as the rest of the class by what had happened, and then the whole class burst out talking because they said they all had seen it. They had seen her falling backwards. She was definitely gonna fall all the way to the floor. And then something caught her in midair and just pushed her back up to her feet. And so that was just the weirdest story and impossible to explain.
0: I love it, it's really, really amazing. And speaking about guardian angels from that standpoint of view. So it's really, really wonderful. Chapter 8, Divine Messengers, An Unexpected Call by Melanie McBride. This is another wonderful story.
1: Yeah, so this is another perplexing story. Um, Melanie had just gotten home from work, and she was getting dinner ready when this painful ring sounded in her ear. And it wasn't her phone or anything. It was in her ear. She heard this ring, and she knew instantly that she needed to call her grandmother, that something was wrong. So she called her grandmother, but her grandmother didn't answer, which was unusual because her grandmother always had her cordless phone by her side. So Melody tried a few more times, and then she knew, like, somebody had to go to her grandmother's home in person. So she called her sister and her father, and she told them that something was wrong, and they would need to drive to her grandmother's house, which was in the next state. So she hopped in her car, and she drove to pick up her father and her sister, and then they got on I-95 and drove to the next date, went to, their grand, to her grandmother's house. All the lights were off. The house was locked. They didn't have a key. But Melanie peered inside one of the windows, even though the blinds were down everywhere. One blind was a little crooked, and she could see in, and it was kind of dark in there, but she could just make out a pale hand on the floor. And she pounded on the window, and then she heard her grandmother. She heard this faint cry for help. So Melanie's father smashed the window of the back door with a rock, and they got in, and they found her grandmother lying on the floor of her dining room with her shoulder clearly broken. And her grandmother said, you got my call? She had been lying on the floor since the night before when she fell during dinner. She said that she called Melanie over and over again, she didn't have her phone by her side and there were no incoming calls from her on Melanie's cell phone. So that was the mystery. How did Melanie get this ring in her ear when her grandmother actually never called her?
0: Yeah, it's, you know, again, I'm just blown away with beautiful stories like this. It's just phenomenal. It's, it's totally, totally amazing. Chapter nine Comfort from Beyond. This is another beautiful story. Morning Meeting by
1: Anna Smith. So this is another story about messages from heaven coming in the form of a bird, which is a very common cultural thing. Mm -hmm. I think that throughout the world, people believe that they have ongoing connections with their loved ones through the presence of birds. And in Anna's case, she wasn't really thinking about that at all when she was woken up one morning by a bird at five. But after 20 minutes of listening to the relentless sound of this bird, she got out of bed and shuffled down the hall to her office where the bird was chirping away outside her office window. And then there was this thump like, like a snowball hitting her window but it was this black and white bird sitting on the window ledge looking right at Anna. And they just stared at each other for a minute or two. And then the bird flew away. And the same thing happened the next morning. And then Anna remembered. She had had this conversation with her mother six months earlier when her mother was dying. And her mother had said something about how she would come back as a bird, if there was life after death. So now Anna was having this experience with this bird, which came every single day. And the bird became a regular part of her life. Like she knew which bird it was. She recognized it from the other birds. And then, interestingly, Anna moved her office to a different room in the house. And the bird followed her there and appeared at that new window the very next morning. So Anna says that a year and a half has passed now and the bird is still around. And now she waves to the bird. She talks to her. She thanks her for coming. She (laughs) doesn't want to scare the bird, so she keeps her distance. But she feels like it's a way of keeping her mother close.
0: I love it. It's a beautiful story. Totally, totally beautiful. So chapter 10, what is your Story that you really like in this chapter?
1: So there's an amazing, and this is just like a really fun story. <laughs> um, it, it's really fun. It's about um, a parakeet named Henry. So um, Jean Ann's family had a dog and a cat and a parakeet, and they were, li- they were living in a trailer while their house was being built. Um, so they were all kind of crammed into this trailer. And the parakeet had a cage, but when they were at home, he wasn't in the cage, he just flew around in the trailer. Um, but then, on Easter morning, as they were getting ready to go to a family event, the dog jumped against the door, and the door flew open, and Henry the parakeet flew out. And they watched horrified as he swooped up to the treetops and then flew around and they couldn't get him to come back. They put his cage outdoors with some fresh bird seed in it, and they called to him, and he didn't come back. So after an hour, they gave up, and they headed off to their Easter dinner, you know, full of remorse for having let their bird get away. They didn't know if they would ever see him again, if he would survive out there in the wild. So the mood was pretty somber over at the family, you know, they're at her in-law's house where they went for dinner. And then the phone rang, and it was Jean-Anne's brother-in-law calling. They were coming for Easter dinner too, but for some reason they were running very late. Well, jean brother brother-in-law reported that he had gone outside and Henry the parakeet had landed on the top of his head on his bald spot. Now, jean brother brother-in-law was her husband's identical twin. So they looked exactly the same, and they had the exact same bald spot. And Henry the parakeet had gotten out, flown a mile away from their home to a place he had never be- been before, to Jean Ann's brother-in-law's house, and landed on the bald spot that looked exactly like the bald spot he had at home on Jean Ann's husband. So Henry allowed the brother-in-law to take him into the house. And then her brother-in-law went back to her house, got the birdcage, went back to his house, put the bird in the birdcage, secured the bird, and then joined them for Easter dinner. So they just couldn't believe that this had happened, that this bird flew to an address where he had never been before and then landed on the identical twin's head.
0: That's so funny.
1: (laughs) I know. It really is.
0: (laughs) It's really wonderful. That's really wonderful. It's a wonderful story to finish up the book. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Is chicken soup all set for the upcoming holidays?
1: Yeah, we have two more books coming out, both in October. We have a book coming out called Time for Christmas. And then we have something new that we've never done before. We're coming out with an adult coloring book. And it's unique because most adult coloring books, when you open up each spread, you know each left and right page spread. Mm-hmm. There's really nothing of importance on the left side, and then the picture that you color is on the right side. Well, in our case, we put a chicken soup for the soul story on the left side, and then on the right side we have the artwork to color in, and then we have the page perforated so you can pull it out and hang it up on the wall if you want. Um, and so it's a really unique coloring book. It's got 29 Chicken Soup for the Soul stories in it on those left pages, some excerpts from other stories on those left pages, and then beautiful images to color on the right pages. Um, we weren't sure how it was going to do because it was our first time, so we did, you know, like a normal size first printing, but not a big first printing. We already had to go back and do a second printing bigger than our initial First printing awesome Um, so it looks yeah it looks like it's going to be really popular so if you're into adult coloring books look for the chicken soup for the soul angels and miracles coloring book you can pre-order it on amazon now and you'll be able to see it in stores starting the beginning of november
0: fantastic that sounds awesome really really awesome what wonderful recipes for living would you like to share with our listeners this morning
1: Well, with Thanksgiving coming up, you know, it's going to be in October in Canada. And Mm -hmm. in the U.S., it's in November. But it's definitely the time of year when it's worth getting your gratitude on. And, you know, all these scientific studies have shown that people are so much happier and healthier, mentally healthier, physically healthier, if they actively practice gratitude. So my recipe for living would be... Actively practice your gratitude, whether it's writing a list of three things a day that you're grateful for or just thinking about it each day, Um, but definitely getting your gratitude on in time for the Thanksgiving holidays is a wonderful way to spend this early fall.
0: Fantastic. That sounds really wonderful. Amy, thank you for the great recipe for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me in two weeks, Wednesday morning, October 18, at 10 a.m. Central Time, U.S. My guest will be Connie McRonalds, Ph.D. Dr. Connie is a licensed psychologist, professor, certified rehabilitation counselor, and Roadmap to the Brain podcast host. She has a proven track record, improved symptoms relating to ADHD, anxiety, anger, panic disorder, conduct disorder, depression, chronic pain, cognitive decline, trauma, and PTSD using neurofeedback. Dr. Connie and I will be having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and her latest book, Solving the ADHD Riddle the real cause and lasting solutions to your child's struggle to learn. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to FromMyMama'sKitchenTalkRadio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week. As always, Amy, it's been a true pleasure. Thank you again and have a very blessed day.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: Thank you. Bye-bye.